Hey guys, what's going on? G-Man here. Thank you so much for checking out this spring training preview edition of the Bullpen Cart presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Maddie D and I are continuing our spring training previews. Today we cover the NL West. We go through all five teams, cover their major acquisitions, and try to figure out where they're going to finish out in this division. It was a ton of fun to record. Let us know what you think in the comments. We're actually going to be right back tomorrow. Myself and my buddy Seth are going to be covering the AL West. So if you do have any questions, make sure you get those in. As always, though, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook, just like the website, thunderblogsports.com. But enjoy this episode, guys. Again, let us know what you think in the comments. Here we go. are live. Welcome to this spring training edition of the Bullpen Cart presented by ThunderBlockSports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me for the second day in a row after our emergency podcast last night is my man, Matty What's up, buddy? Well, you know, NFL free agency is still dominating the headlines. We're not going to go into it, but it's incredible. All the yeah. uh, all the stuff that's still happening, but you know what? I don't want it to overshadow the fact that baseball is coming back, and as you just mentioned, it's lighter outside right now than it ever's been, which means that it's almost time to kick off the season. It's it's not that far away. We're right around the corner. Oh no, no! Two weeks from this Friday is opening day, a Bryce day at Citizens Bank Park. But we're here to talk about the West. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, like you said, the sun's out at 7 p.m. here in Pennsylvania. And, you know, the, the heat's starting to crack through. I had to unzip my jacket when I was walking the dog to the park. You know, it smells like spring, as they say, uh, when, they, when they start airing those Phillies commercials. And, and Matt, I got to tell you, too, I know we're about to start start talking baseball. The fact that the Players' Championship is this weekend on the PGA Tour Exciting, is tricky, right? making me think that it's May. Of course, it's moved, it moved back to March this year, uh, where it originally was before it moved to May, I think, 15 years ago. But... I'm just getting tricked all over the place between baseball <laughs> coming back in March, golf being or, or the, the the fifth major being earlier. Yeah, I just can't wait. I'm just so excited. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm 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 fired up for sure. Yeah. So coming into the NL West, we obviously have some big signings that we're going to get to before we jump into each team. I mean, just give me your thoughts on this off season. I know we talked about how the NFL has dominated the headlines, but it's been. I mean, especially with this division, I think it's been headline full. You know, especially with Machado, but what have your thoughts been? It has been headline full, but I got to tell you, though, I I feel like as a division as a whole, I feel like it's moved backwards. Um, You know, you think of the Dodgers and a star-studded team that misses out on Harper and Machado, but really, I mean, they had Machado on the roster. They're kind of getting older. It looks like they might be taking a step back. Um, You think of the the Diamondbacks losing three All-Stars. You think of the Giants striking out on a lot of potential free agents. Um, you know, the Rockies do re-sign their superstar. The Padres get theirs. But there's still a lot, you know, with both those teams that, that you know, in terms of pitching and, and other players. I, I think if, if you look at it, I mean, it's still, it still appears to be the Dodgers and the Rockies for now. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I – I don't know. I mean, I'm on. I'm on. I, I just feel like the division as a whole is taking a step backward, well, well, backwards, um, if you will. Um, but it's still, it's still a Hollywood division when you when you think of all these teams and the Padres jumping in the mix with, you know, uh, with Machado coming there, a big deal for Manny. No, I totally agree with you, and that's a it's actually a really good point of just pointing out as a on a macro level, especially Arizona, and we're we're gonna jump right into them. You know, they had a. They have themselves an offseason to, to, I think, start to try to combat the fact that 
for a while, you know, they've, they've gotten close to the playoffs. They've made the playoffs and they've had all these guys that, you know, two years ago when you and I did this exact preview, the NL West, we thought, were they going to try to get rid of Paul Goldschmidt? Obviously they sent him off to the, uh, to the Cardinals, but you know, it's been, you know, they, they certainly took a step back. And I mean, looking at their, projected starting lineup they still have that great pitching rotation you know especially the top heavy with with zach Greinke, and now you have to wonder where are they going to be you know finishing now because they of all teams certainly took a big step back with you know goldschmidt on on the move you know what are your thoughts walking into this team this arizona diamondbacks team you know a, a region that treated us well about a month and a half ago but you know am i wrong in thinking the diamondbacks have really entered rebuild mode and you know, they'll, they'll, I don't know if the pitchers will be on the block, but what are your thoughts with Arizona? No, well, first of all, I definitely think that they are entering rebuild mode, 100%. No. Um, Goldschmidt was the big move. He was their, their best player, their superstar. Mm-hmm. Maybe not their mm-hmm. best player, but their superstar, the face of the franchise. So when you move on from somebody like that, I mean, that definitely is is a huge deal. I don't really know where they go from here. I think I think you hmm. may have to move a guy like Greinke, but his contract obviously is incredibly difficult to do so. Yep. So it may not be possible. And in this division right now, I mean, it may be a good time to do that rebuild. We just talked about the Giants are aging with with Posey, and we'll get there. And and the um and the Dodgers are aging. Aging. You know, this might be a time for him to take a step back, rebuild a little bit, and come on strong and compete with the Padres five to ten years from now. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because the the Dodgers, well, they have them and the Giants have a lot of money, but you know, right now it's it's the Padres building their way up in, into the class of the division. I think it's still LA's right now, but you know, you definitely have to make that that choice of where do you want to go because you have guys like Steven Souza, Gerard Dyson in your outfield, even Peralta too. I mean, they're they're getting older, but they're they're still pretty quick. It'll be. Really interesting. I mean, they have Jake Jake Lamb, their third baseman, who, you know, he's not terribly old. I think they could maybe, if they want to try to build around him, he's 28. So still got a couple years. Same with Kettle Marte at 25, the Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they decide to, what they want to do with him. Because it's, it's his sixth year in the league. He's only getting paid $4.2 million. You know, do you think they try to, to ship him off? Do you think we see a guy like Wilmer Flores as that? Which, ow, wow, he's only 27. That would have pegged him to be a lot older than that for how long he's been, how long he'd been on the Mets, longer than six years. But I mean, do we think are we putting the label on too early and think and putting them on as a shorter, shorter seller in 2019? Yeah, I mean, here's my one concern. At, you know, if you look at ESPN, they're 100 best players. Yep. Only one is on that list for the Diamondbacks, and it's Zach Ranky. So clearly, yeah. they don't have the same star power. Um, they signed mm-hmm. Adam Jones, which really isn't a needle That's a good point, me. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a – he was a guy who didn't – who got moved and last year was, you know, he, he's okay. He can play any position in the outfield, I feel like. He'll probably play left field for them because they have Dyson. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not – not moving the needle too much for me. He's 33. Dyson's 34. Um, even Peralta's 31. Sosa's going to be turning 30. You know, this is not a – it's not a terribly young team that that I think is going to be, you know, like the team a couple years ago that that went out and got J.D. Martinez. I don't know if this is a team that's really set to try to make that sort, same sort of run. But that pitching staff could hold them in for a little bit, especially with the firepower on other teams, I think. Yeah, I think it's smart to give it a shot. Early, you know, but David. I mean, I think I think the guy to me that makes a lot of sense is David Peralta. Two years yes. left, so he goes to free agency. Thirty home runs last year. He is thirty-one. Um, I think he's a huge candidate to be moved at some point during this season too. Um, I definitely think it's a reset year, beginning of that rebuilding year for this Diamondbacks team. I would totally agree with that. I'm going to pull it up now. They're over under last year, Matt, with the. A number of different players that they lost. They went 82 and 80. And this year, I'm pulling this up on Odd Shark. The, or according to, actually, according to Todd Furman, um, he has the Arizona Diamondbacks at 77 wins. Is that a number that you like? Where wow. you fall there? I'm going to go, I'm going to go under. I definitely go under on that one. Um, yeah. You know, without a doubt, I think it's definitely under. Yeah. I don't have the odds in front of me because, uh, 
I have it on Twitter right now, but let's keep it moving. Let's uh, let's go on to the next team. We're doing this in alphabetical order. If you did not listen to our AL East pod, alphabetical order by city. So team number two, we move on to Matt, a team that you mentioned. They gave their guy, their superstar, a huge, a huge extension in Nolan Arenado. We are talking about the the Colorado Rockies, who of course last year beat the Cubs in the National League wildcard game before getting swept by the Milwaukee Brewers in maybe the most unlikely divisional series that we would have thought coming into a year ago. 91 wins for him. Bud Black returns as their manager. Matt, what is your first impression of the Colorado Rockies? Well, good for them to keep Arenado. Um, That's a smart deal. He looks like a star. Quite frankly, he could be the best player in their history if he keeps it up. Eight years, 260. Um, I would think so. I think it's a good deal for both sides, really, in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, my big question is, can the pitching hold up? Uh, Kyle Freeland, pretty good player, ranked 91 mm-hmm. on their list. Uh, German Marquez, might be better all-around stuff, but not as good of a pitcher right now. He's the guy in the top 100. You think of Tyler Anderson, John Gray. We've got a good top four even with Coors Field wrapping their, their, you know, warping their statistics, you know, because it's out the upper, um, it's the altitude, if you will. Um, no pitcher over 30. So. Which is huge. Uh-huh. And I think it's the one thing deal. that actually gives them a bit of an advantage, last year as a pitching staff, they were 20th in ERA and 15th in WHIP. 20th you kind of expect, because again, the high altitude at Coors Field, ball right. flies a little further. Got a lot of guys in the National League that can rake, that come in there, you know, young pitching staff. But huh. the whip is interesting there. At 15th, they were still able to pull out 91 wins. Part of that's how great of an offensive cliff that they pulled. Sixth in, in batting average, seventh in runs scored. Uh, and they, you know, they didn't really lose a ton offensively. Mm-hmm. And they actually added Daniel Murphy, which I think is huge yeah, for them. He's healthy. If he's adds, healthy, that could be a huge Yeah, that's deal. a very good point if he's healthy. We saw that a little bit last year. But, you know, I know he had a big – he had a down year. But I think Ian Desmond, I think he's poised for a bounce back. David Dahl has been solid for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm seeing him projected at fifth. And then that top four, you know, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, Murphy, and Trevor Story. Basically, how you want to plug and play them. I know yeah. Blackman is their, is their traditional leadoff guy, but this is a guy who can rake homers. He's been in the home run derby. Really, if Bud Black wants to get experimental, he can. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd expect them to be up there once again in both getting on base and being able to pull them around, course field or not. They're usually, they've been a good road team as well. But you're right. The pitching staff is certainly something to be worried about. Chad Bettis is their fifth starter. So I think you mentioned Wade Davis. They do have coming back. They did lose Adam Adovino. He went to the Yankees. So I think that might hurt them a little bit. So their bullpen, I think, got a little weaker. But I like this team to be another another playoff contender. I don't know necessarily if they if they get to the division. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Looking at their over over under, it's set at eighty two right now, according to Furman's numbers. What do you think of that one, Matt? I'll take the over there. I like them more in a like eighty-five to eight to ninety range. Yeah. Um, I'm making a jump that I'm assuming their pitching staff is staying healthy. Um, yep. But I really like a lot of what they've done there. So I'm. I'm, I'm did they peak last year? Maybe. Um, we'll see what happens here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point. Is it a peak? How would you designate it as a peak, or would you say it's? You know, just another step because this is a team who, again, that top five is really good. And that's saying Ian Desmond, a guy who's now, I think, entering his 10th year in the league. And really, I mean, he had, again, he had a down year last year. But I think if he gets to those numbers when he first moved to the outfield, when he went to Texas a few years ago, you know, watch out. I think he could really, I think he really is poised for maybe a comeback player of the year type of season. No, that's a great point. I definitely agree with that. Um, well, I mean, well, he's a little older, so we got to see. They do have another guy, number nine prospect in baseball, Brendan Rogers, who could lock, who could end up being their starting second baseman at some point during mm-hmm. the season. He looks like a good player, finally healthy, but he's already twenty three, so you might see him come up. Um, another potential bat at some point this season that could be a huge. Very nice. Game. Very nice. Yeah, it looks like Garrett Hampson is set to be their starter to start the season. 
or their their starting second baseman to start the season. Excuse me, but yeah, I mean their bench isn't too bad. Chris Iannetta returns as their catcher, uh, just a, the consummate professional. Yep. Yeah, I really like I like this lineup a lot, and I think what they bring to the table is is certainly uh, certainly advantageous. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. Yeah, should we keep it moving? Move on to the next yeah, one. Let's go. All right. So next up on the list are the Los Angeles Dodgers, your two-time reigning National League champions. Obviously, we remember what they did. They won 92 games last year, made it all the way to the World Series. Yep. Didn't get as close as they did two years ago. They lost in five games to the Red Sox. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts coming onto this team? I know you mentioned age, but is that yeah. all that you think of when you think the Red or the Dodgers? Well, there's still a lot of talent. Let's go through you. You got Clayton Kershaw. You got Corey yep. Seager coming off of injury. Justin Turner is still there. Um, you think of Cody Bellinger, uh, Kenley Jansen, uh, Walker Bueller. You think of Mac Mun- Max Max Muncy. Um, wow. I mean, there's still a ton of talent there. So the question becomes, can the talent be healthy, right? Seager out quite a while last year, really struggled. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they replaced him. With Machado, but he's mm-hmm. supposed to be one of the best young players in all of the game, one of the number one prospects in baseball. You know, how does he do? Does Justin Turner finally fall off the wagon a little bit? Max Muncie had a great year last year, and can he do that again this year? He's a mm-hmm. guy. Um, Clayton Kershaw really struggling with injuries. Coding Bellinger desperately needs a bounce back season. So there's a ton of talent. The question is, can that talent put it together? Are they healthy, and or were they just lucky last year? You know, doing what they did. I tend to be on the they're not as lucky side. Kershaw really concerns me. I mean, really does concern me. Yeah, he he did miss a good time, a good amount of time last year. He did start twenty six games, so yep. you know, he still got up there. Ross Stripling had himself a pretty nice year. He obviously was the guy who started the year in the bullpen for a little bit. Once he started to start games, was your National League leader in ERA. And water found its level there as a starter for him. And he he actually still ended up with a 3.02 ERA. Mm-hmm. So he, he's a fairly young guy. Rich Hill is still hanging around there. But, you know, like Kershaw, though, he's had his ups and downs in terms of injuries. Um, I would be really intrigued to see how this all goes down for him. Guys like Kenta Maeda, who was in and out of the bullpen <laughs> and the starting rotation, same with Alex Wood, of where this team ends up. Uh, obviously, offensively, I think they got – a lot to be really excited about. You still have Jack Peterson. You still have Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Bellinger, AJ Pollock returns, um, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor, and Austin Barnes rounding it all out. Um, or, or AJ Pollock returns as a free or comes as a free agent, I should say. And yes. they got Russell Martin in a trade from the Blue Jays, as well as a couple other guys from the bullpen. They got Josiah Gray who is one of their top prospects in a trade from with the Reds for Yasiel Puig. Same with a guy named Jeter Downs. I'll give you <laughs> three guesses of what position he plays. But short, short yes, he is a shortstop. Okay. Number seven prospect on the Dodgers organization. Uh, they made a lot of different trades, which I think went a little bit under the radar. And I forgot about the Puig to the, to the Reds trade, which good for them. They realized they had a surplus of all these different guys. Like you mentioned, I think they were trying to make some – some room for Bryce Harper. The AJ Pollock signing certainly got people wondering what they were doing. If he was just going to play, you know, where he would fit in as they got Bryce Harper. But, you know, I still think that they're, they're a solid lineup. I do agree with you though. Their pitching staff is suspect coming into it just because of injury history. Uh, I do like their bullpen though. I think their bullpen's pretty, pretty damn solid. Um, Kenley Jansen's obviously still up there, even though he's had he's had his issues here and there. But and I think the one thing you talked about with Clayton Kershaw, he's starting the season injured right now. Um, so we'll see when he comes back. I don't I don't think it's too long. Do you do you have a timetable on how long he's out for? Uh, that's the thing, though. I've heard a number of different things. I, I think they're um, I think they're incredibly concerned, and. Uh, uh, they don't know. I mean, they're hoping he's ready yeah, for opening it's hard day, not but he to may be. not be. Right. Yeah. I mean, Rich Hill's your opening <laughs> day starter with Ryu as number two. Maeda up to number three, which actually kind of surprises me. I'd probably go Bueller, Stripling, three, four, just because Maeda had his consistency issues last year. Um, but, yeah, that offense, I mean, it's hard not to, to love that and see the clip that they might be able to run at because 
while they had their injury issues, Turner missed a little bit of time. Seager obviously missed a you know most of last season. They were still able to, to produce at a at a pretty overwhelming clip. While consistency batting wise wasn't always there, they were able to put runs across the plate. So I don't know. I still I still think this is their division to lose. I don't want to you know show my hand too quickly before we hop into uh, projections and anything like that. But right. you know, I still think that they're they're still at a good spot and. Just taking a look at Furman's numbers, his over-under that he set for them. Uh, he has them at 95 wins, which might be a little high just because of injury concerns. Matt, where do you fall on that? I, I like it a little bit lower um, than 95. I, I I think 90, but I'm actually closer to the my Rocky prediction, 80 to 85 to 90. I would take the under. Yeah, I would take the under as well. I think 90 is probably the solid number that gets the most play. Um, mm-hmm. Who? I mean, frankly, we, we could see if they've tried to pull the trigger on some of the, the remaining free agents that are still out there. But, you know, a lot of that will remain to be seen as we still have two weeks, as we mentioned, until opening day. Right. A guy like Dallas Keuchel might jump on their radar if they're truly in exactly. win-down mode. You know, do they go make a move to get another pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and they, have, they have some pretty deep pockets. So I, feel, I have a feeling if you want to make a, a nice little – uh, addition to your team, send one of these guys in the back end of your rotation to the bullpen. As it was shown last year, it works. Stripling started there. Maeda moved in and out of it. I think it, I think it can be done that way. But let's keep it moving. We go into both of the Saint teams. We start with Saint Dylan, San Diego, or is it David? Or whatever it is. San Diego Padres, who are entering their fifth season, or 50th season. Jesus Christ, I can read, Matt. Um, or 51st season. I'm looking at the 2018. I'm going to cut that. They're entering their 51st season as the San Diego Padres. Matt, obviously they signed Manny Machado, but what else do you have to look forward to if you're a San Diego fan? Well, you obviously have, like you said, but I want to, I want to temper their excitement just a tad. Um, yep. Because, this is a, this this signing, as 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 really, he said as Machado even said is it's not really for this year. They made this no. mistake before, of you know jumping um, when they when they signed a bunch of guys, including Matt Kemp. Yep. You know, four um, years ago in two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say this is a this they have the deepest farm system in the division. So yep. that that's a positive, um, and you get your superstar who's willing to stay there long term. They have another number of young players, all 27 or younger in the outfield. Hunter Renfro, not the wide receiver. You know, Travis uh, Janikowski, uh, Frank mm-hmm. G, which is a great, weird first name. Uh, Cordero, um, a number of the guys. And obviously, Will Myers is still out there trying to find himself, too. So, mm-hmm. a ton of guys. Fernando Tatis is out there, too. So, there's a ton of 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 prospects it's just going to take a little bit of time for this team to figure that all out yeah i totally agree with you they have i think one of the one of the richest ready now farm systems you said one of the deepest and i think it's just there there's a lot that i think whether or not they pull the the old chris bryant service time hoarding yep. uh which which is a concern of what the padres could do compared to what their lineup will look like in two weeks versus a month from now uh, i believe it's around april 15th that 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 service date uh, the minimum service date gets gets safe for one year, but you know, I mean, they they aside from Machado, they made some some pretty under the radar considering what these guys have been able to do for certain teams in the past. They got Ian Kinsler, they got Aaron Loop, who was a Philly for a little bit, a solid left-handed reliever, even though he wasn't the best for the Phillies. He was when he was still in Toronto. Garrett Richards, a starting pitcher who's had injury issues. Adam Warren, a solid righty reliever. You know, I don't think that it's the worst lineup to throw out there. I think that they certainly have a really nice front half of Kinsler, Machado, Hosmer, and Myers. But then other guys, you know, depending on when they call up guys like Tatis and things like that, they still got Manuel Margot. They still got oh, Austin Head as a catcher. The one thing, though, that I think we're going to really need to figure out with them is their starting staff. I think there's, you know, a lot of question marks there. I mean, it's a pretty young starting staff, but these are guys, Matt, who didn't look the greatest last year. I mean, their lowest guys in terms of ERA, the top 10 
were all relievers. Uh, you know, and I think that's certainly a concern if you are a, a Padres fan. Is can the top half of this lineup and at times the bottom half stay on the same pace as what your pitching staff might be allowing? Well, remember, though, this is why I said next year they have yeah. seven pitchers in the top 100 prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paddock is a guy to kind of watch out for. He looks like he might be a, a, a really good pitcher coming up. Some, some Missed some Tommy John surgery, 2.1 ERA in high A and double A. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous strikeout to walk ratio, 95 mile an hour with a changeup. He... If he can find that third pitch, that which is going to be a curveball, he could be a top of the rotation arm. So but he's just one of the highlights they have on their pitching staff because they've got a lot of guys. If you're on the staff currently, you're looking over your shoulder at these seven-plus young guys who might come up and make a huge impact on this team. Probably 2020, though, it's more of your sure. landing spot for that group. Do you think in that same regard, then, do you think there are guys that if they are – you know, sub three, five ERA that are getting shopped around the all-star game and maybe get, give these guys a shot in August and September, you know, when they're in. Yeah, I I certainly think so. Seeing how loaded as we've talked about the Dodgers are and the Rockies um, and, and and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for them if they're not even close to contention to keep guys. But I think if they're smart, they, they sell to anybody they can to let these young guys have their opportunities to jump up. Because um, yeah. I do think Machado, it's a three-year build to me for me. So this is year one by three years now. So they should be buying, they should be signing, and they let the young guys come up and see what works. I, I really like that idea. Yeah, I like that a lot. Furman has them set at seventy-seven and a half. I think this number came up before Machado, but I can't imagine that it went up much higher than that. Uh, even despite that, I think that's an under for me. Um, I just don't think they get – they don't get that close to 500 ball. Uh, I know a lot of the times these over-unders are set closer to 81 to try to, you know, entice betters and you get the optimist out out there. But, yeah, I really I really think 72 is, is a closer number. I don't think this is a team that doesn't win 70 games. I'll put it that way. But higher than 75 is a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah, I'm definitely under – I don't know. I mean, I, I know, but 70 – I know Machado's there. I just think they're, they're they're purposely they're in that process of where they want they're okay with losing games, um, but I, I I don't know. I guess I'm more on that role. Than, um, yeah, the way. It, it's intriguing because of the fact that there are teams out there like the dot or the I almost said the Dodgers like the the Marlins. I don't know where my brain association was going with that. <laughs> the, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Tigers, the Royals. I don't know if they're just they're just thinking, you know, there are teams out there that are definitely tanking. We got a guy in Machado, so he's he's gonna play hard. He might play a little too hard if you remember the playoffs. <laughs> so I don't think, you know, tanking is in our wheelhouse, but at the same time, you know, we're not gonna be competing. So I, de- I definitely think it'll be really interesting to see where they go, because there's definitely probably opportunity for them to experiment, especially with that bottom half of the lineup. Again, depending on once they get past that. You know, minimum minimum number of days before the service year can't flip over by the end of the season, which is basically why, for those that are wondering what I'm talking about, why players like Ronald Acuna started in AAA last year, why Chris Bryant did that four years ago for the Cubs, uh, a number of these different guys. What Basically what happens is, is free agency is determined by service days. Those build up – I forget what the exact number is, but it builds up into one full year into a service year. Once you get to six full service years, you're eligible for free agency. So what teams do is they hold players into the minors for oh so many days until playing a full a full year from, I think it's around April 15th, through the end of the season does not count as a full service year. Cubs obviously did in 2015 with Chris Bryant, and he actually won a, a case against Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if Ronald Acuna did that last year, but you know, it's something that certainly teams are figuring out they can do with these highly touted prospects and then bringing them up and seeing what they can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can say it's a good business decision. You can say what it is, depending on where you fall on the line there. Um, but once they hit that date, coming back on the Padres, it'll be really interesting to see how they decide to build from that from that way. I think their 40-man roster, I need to take a look at it. But if they were smart, they would just be 
using all these young guys that are close enough to being major league baseball ready to maybe not call up right, right. As soon as that date hits, but around the all-star break, once you start shipping off guys, you know, who, whomever you can ship off and figuring out where they can, where they can build there. I know they got a nice haul from the Indians for Brad hand last year, and, and maybe they can get something like that and a, you know, maybe a little bit lower tier of a, of a trade, but you no, know, let's, let's see what the Padres can do with this, how they come out in April. Crazier things have happened. We remember the 2016 Phillies. Yep. So we'll see. You know, they have they certainly have a top end talent for it at the at the first half of their lineup. Mm-hmm. I just don't like I, said, I just don't want people to get too overexcited, Padres fans. It's it, you're doing the right thing. Just hang on, take your time. The yeah. way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, you got you you have the building block in place of Machado, and it's you can start building around it. San Diego is not an unattractive city to try to draw free agents to. Let's put it that way as well. Not at all. <laughs> Well, let's move on to the final team. Hey, wait, wait, real quick, real quick. Are the Padres oh, yeah. the only team in San Diego anymore? Uh, yeah, they are of, of the four major sports. Wow. wow. Yeah. They've lost two That's teams good. to L.A., the right. Clippers and the Chargers. Uh, and I don't know. Never had a hockey team. So. Yeah, they haven't. Well, they have an wow. AHL team. They're not an NHL team, though. Right. Uh, right. No, hey, I didn't think. Wow. There yeah. You go. They have the they have the Ducks AHL team as of like I think three years ago is when the AHL moved west. The San Diego Gulls is their name. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, they have an AAF team. Does that count? No. <laughs> what about XFL? They come in. Does that count? No. I don't think they. I don't think they are an XFL city. I know they've been announced. Um, yeah. But let's stay in Major League Baseball. <laughs> let's move to the Giants, who. Uh, you know, it's going to be a really intriguing year for San Francisco Giants fans. Greg and I constantly had them as the the punching bag of overhyped teams. We'll talk, you know, guys who bring in a lot of different players and, and a lot of hype coming into it. Once again, they bring in a lot of big names, names that you might recognize. Cameron Mabin, Drew Pomerantz, Stephen Vogt. Matt, what is your thought of this team? <laughs> This is a one last. This is a last shot opportunity. Bruce Bochy last season. He's going to retire. Madison Bumgarner is going to be a free agent. This is like a. This reminds me a little bit of not the same, but a little bit of when we discussed last year, the Seattle Mariners going all mm-hmm. in trying to do one thing. The difference is I'm not sure they have nearly the talent that the Mariners have. Similar mm-hmm. issue to the Dodgers, but without as much talent. Um, yeah. You mentioned some names they brought in. They still have Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, Jeff Samarja, Derek Holland, all over 30, all yep. struggled at times last year, all have injury concerns. Um, obviously, Bumgard, I mean, Madison Bumgarner coming off a huge injury, um, thought he might be traded, still think he might be traded. He would make a lot of sense to a lot of good teams. Um, haven't extended him. Why not make that move? Yeah, I think that's a similar to San Diego. Depending on where this team is, I think if he's performing anything on a mad bum clip or anywhere close to it, if you're getting a sniff of that, I think he's probably getting dished. Because um, like you said, they, they have a lot of the same team, especially in the infield of that World Series roster from, wow, it's five years ago now that they last right. won a World Series. Um, they still have a solid bullpen, too, with Chris Stratton, Ty Block. Will Smith is their closer. Mark Melanson and Tony Watson, two guys that uh, came over a few years ago that were that had been moved around and were, were solid relief pieces for different teams. Um, so a bullpen that that also I feel like could be kind of like the Phillies, how they how they had Nishak, who really ended up being a, a solid piece of the trade deadline. I feel like the, those guys could you could see their names floating around as early as June, even um, if teams are really in need of bullpen, if that turns out to be a, a really pressing issue. Um, but yeah, I agree with you though. It's, it's something that this team's starting to get old. That entire infield, Matt, the only guy that's under 30 is Joe panic. Who's 28. Um, he went to St. John's. I did not realize that Yonkers kid, all New York from, from good old Joe, but yeah, it's, it's something that you, you got to worry about. And I know that they still, they haven't lost steps on it, but you know, you gotta you gotta hope that this team can still put it together and can still can produce runs. Because I mean, a year ago they had a really hard time to to do that. They scored twenty nine runs, or they were 29th in runs. And yep. I know they they were banged up. I know it was tough for them, but you know that 
with a great pitching staff like that, it's it's almost a shame that you can't run at that sort of a clip. They were at least in the 50th percentile for most major pitching categories and being in the bottom five for everything offensive. You know, if this is a latch stitch effort, you have to hope that some of those free agency acquisitions end up panning out. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah. I mean, I really, I really couldn't agree more with this. And I, and I, um, I have serious concerns for this, this team, the outfielder, their current starting look. I don't even know these guys, Matt Williamson, yeah. Steven Duger, uh, Gerardo Parra. I know Parra. I mean, I've heard of him, but yeah, Parra has been around, but he's, he's certainly not the Parra you remember. Right. And you, so you can see why they, they made that last ditch attempt at Bryce Harper um, not the worst thing they've ever done to no, make that not. attempt. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys out there, maybe. I mean, Denard Span, 35. Matt Holiday's 39. Yeah. I don't know you bring him in. Um, Austin Jackson, formerly of the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Carlos Cargo, yep. Carlos Gonzalez at 33. I don't know. You know, so when I look at that, I think there's really not a ton out there that, that they've, they've signed elsewhere. Um, yeah. And that's going to be Duger, just to just to fill in there. He is he was drafted in 2015 by the Giants. He's born in 1993. Went to Clemson. Clemson kid. Uh, in 41 games, he batted 255 with two homers, 17 ribbies. Uh, so not a terrible clip. Uh, it looks like I have I've here on on MLB.com. They haven't projected actually being there leadoff man, which which wouldn't be terrible. He finished his season I think before he went down to injury. With over 300 on base percentage, slugging percentage near 400, so you know, fair enough for for a leadoff guy that you want. Um, I don't know if he still counts as a rookie or not because he only played 41 games, but you know, it, it could be an opportunity there for for a kid to to really make a, a name for himself. But you know, with a lot of question marks like that, it's hard not to think of San Francisco finishing similar to where they did a year ago. Yeah, no, I I, I think they're going to be sellers of the deadline. Yeah. Um, I know we haven't really gotten there, but I, I, I've got them at the bottom potentially. Yeah, we'll I do too. I don't want to jump the gun, but I'm. Um, no, yeah. that's fair. Uh, Furman has them sick as the sixth lowest line in Major League Baseball. Seventy-three wins. Uh, I think this is a team, and a lot of the times these lines are set to be nice. Uh, I talked about in the AL East preview with Baltimore set around fifty-nine and a half, which I was looking at the odds. You actually, if you tried to bet the over, would make a quite quite amount of money if the if the Baltimore Orioles won sixty games. San Francisco is set at seventy three right now, which again I think is just being nice. It's trying to bring out the optimists. I don't really see this team. I see this team struggling to even get into the upper half of sixty. They won last year. They did win seventy three games, but I don't know if I see them getting up and getting close to sniffing seventy this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I definitely have them on the under. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I stare at them and I'm thinking worst team opportunity to be one of the worst teams in baseball, just cause the yeah. age and if they start to sell, which they should, cause they need to start this rebuild again, that's going to cause, you know, an issue there in this case. Yeah, obviously they did. They nearly were the worst team in baseball two years ago. And you'll remember that the Kung Fu Panda hit a walk-off home run in game 162 for them to finish 29th in Major League Baseball. I don't think it's out of the question to think that they are going to be on that, you know, at that clip, especially with the yeah. Padres improving. Yeah, the Diamondbacks, is... while they're going to, well, they're going to be falling. I don't think they're running the, they're running for the Giants money at last place. So no, this is very eerie of the end of the Phillies era era. Yeah, um, very eerie of that. Uh, when yeah. I look at this, that two, so. like that 2012 team, despite the yep. fact that they finished mm-hmm. so far under 500 last year. Yep. So very, yeah. very really similar pro- thoughts. Probably 2013 team because the 2012 mm-hmm. team finished 500. No, that's mm-hmm. a really good point. That's actually probably a good way to do it. I was trying to think of how we could get our our Phillies reference into this one. There you go. <laughs> Aside from alluding to Bryce Harper a lot, <laughs> but yeah, you you mentioned it, Matt. You you started to rank your teams with the Giants in last. I agree with you. I have them in fifth. Who would you have in fourth? Because I think that's actually a really intriguing conversation between two of these teams. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm going to put the Padres. Yeah, um, I would and, too. And, yeah, I think, and I think that's very based on the fact that they're being patient, even with mm-hmm. Machado. I think they're a very exciting fourth, but I think they don't 
They're not in Winamo. They're not buyers of the deadline. They don't add any pieces, and they end up being fourth just because their pitching staff is still so young. I totally agree with you. I'm a bigger, better rotation indicates better record for me. So that's why I have the Diamondbacks ahead of them. Uh, the Diamondbacks, is, it's tough with who they have to think that, that they're going to be losing a lot of games. It almost be like the Mets last year uh, where, you know, Jacob deGrom, if he's on any other team in baseball, he has like 25 wins. That might be, a, that might be the kind of season we see out of Granke if he's not hurt or if he doesn't come off on a bad start like he did in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, the Padres – Offensively, again, that first half I think can do some damage. So maybe they come out hot. In yeah. which case, maybe maybe they win. Maybe they are, you know, a clear shot at third. And the Diamondbacks do struggle a little bit because we've seen that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna go gonna go Padres four, uh, four Diamondbacks three. And then what do you think for the top of the NL West? Last year, obviously, it had to go to an extra game to decide it. Do you think it's going to be that close this year? No. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I lied. It is going to be that close. Um, I, I really like the Rockies this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had them taking a step back. I've had the, the taking a step back. I, I be honest. I really think the, I really think that the, um, the Rockies have this division this year. I know, I know the positives to the, to the Dodgers. I just feel yep. like they're so beat up. They're old and they've got so many more question marks. You've got this young rising Rockies team. I, I do actually like the Rockies to win the division. I think it's very close though. Very close. I agree with you. I actually, if you remember the Dodgers struggled for a lot of last year when they had, when they first had to deal with a lot of those injuries. Yep. And I think that that's going to hold true this year. You know, and I think I think the I think the Rockies have it by maybe even like five games. You know, I just yep. think the injuries and losing some of the players that they did, whether it was to free agency or guys they just traded to, to reload a little bit, which I think was smart. I think trading out Yasiel Puig was was a smart move, but it's tough to think that they're going to have as hot of months like September and June as they did to to force everything. Because remember, they were a few games back entering September and and. The Rockies didn't – they conceded it, uh, you know, on paper, but they weren't terrible, you know, coming down the stretch. The the Dodgers were just on fire. And a lot of that was picking up Machado, sure. But, you know, I, I just think a lot of this is going to be – is, you know, the, the, the Rockies have figured out the formula for them to win. They don't – they care, obviously, about not letting up enough runs that they're, they're going to lose. I think – I know the back end – back end of their bullpen issues, aside from Davis, are – are of concern, but that offense, when it's clicking, man, it's clicking. And, and, you know, I think, I think Nolan Arenado is going to lead his team out and continue to prove to the guys who don't watch West coast baseball that you're missing out. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I'm very excited to, to see them. And they're, they're my team this year in the division. Um, I, I do think the Dodgers have a clear shot at a wild card. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, and we'll obviously you know, we'll continue to look at that, but yeah, I definitely uh, definitely like the central, them. The central and and depending on how the East goes, was the only reason why the Dodgers might be looking in uh, both at the end of the season and at the start of September. But uh, especially with how how the top half of the of the central is going, I mean, the East. We'll break that down once we get there, but. Um, yeah, I think I think the Dodgers certainly it's it's theirs to lose right now. I have to I have to use my Patriots rule. It's their spot until it's not. But I think right now it's uh, the division. I think might be might be unseated from them. Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. All right, but let's move on to a, cu- a couple quick segments. I know yeah. uh, I have a I have a stadium snack I want to talk about, and it's actually on the on the note of the Dodgers. Man, I don't know if you saw this, but Joe Kelly. Obviously, came over from Red Sox, and he you know, decided to, to welcome his new teammates in cooking them some crawfish or crayfish or crawdads, however you want to call them. He did a little boil for them, and he reported that he was not feeling so well. You know, it turns out he he pulled his back in wow. cooking crawfish for for his teammates. So he uh, he's missed a few games here. But Matt, the good news that I got to talk about, and if, have you ever been to a crawfish boil for one? I've not. It's actually 
something I've really wanted to do for like a long time, but now I've never been. I've wanted to as well. And I know it's really along that Gulf Coast belt, whether you're in Texas or Louisiana, Mississippi, even I think parts of the, you know, the Mobile area of Alabama, I think still do it as well. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure I am there. But, you know, uh, one of my friends used to live in Houston and, and had been to a few and I missed that opportunity. I uh, really wish I could. Uh, so hopefully we can do a little road trip and, and test it out for the homies. But yeah, but the good news on, on his crawfish, Matt, was that there were no leftovers. He did not let injury stop his teammates <laughs> from eating or from completing the dish. So obviously there's some pretty good crawfish, enough to injure your back. We hear about some crazy injuries in baseball. You know, the one that always comes to mind is Joba Chamberlain on the trampoline, uh, Madison Bumgarner on the dirt pikes. And now you have Joe Kelly with his, with his crawd ads. <laughs> always a weird injury in baseball, huh? Oh, it's always great. Yeah. So much more than any other sport. Like the weirdest I can think of, of like a hockey player is one of my friends in high school skated over his lace and, and rolled his ankle falling into the boards. Nice. But I can't think of any NHL injuries that way, aside from like the, the kind of freak accident ones. Same yeah. thing with basketball and and football. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It's just it's just getting I mean, once again. I know it's a different sport too, in a lot of different ways. So you know, it's yeah. not fair. You got to be very right to throw a baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely get that. Um, I'm yeah. gonna go with. I'm gonna go with my favorite snack is going to be a uh, fun little spot in Phoenix, Camelback Ranch, home of the White Sox at the Los Angeles Dodgers, which makes sense for our Ooh. conversation today. Yeah. Uh, they do feature the baseball famous, world famous Dodger dog. They do the 10-inch hot dog there. It's a fan favorite in LA. So it's kind of nice if you can't afford to go to an LA Dodgers game or you don't get the opportunity to, you can have that 10-inch dog there while you're watching a game. And by the way, if you haven't seen the weather right now in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, it is gorgeous, 70s, 80s, mm. sunny. I mean, it's the time to be out there so you can enjoy a Dodger dog, see some baseball, you know, something that I've never done. I definitely want to do one day is just take a look. Um, and these stadiums, by the way, if you take a look at them, they keep getting prettier and prettier. That They rebuild them. They're gorgeous facilities down there now yeah. uh, to go watch some players. Um, it's, it's interesting. And there are so many. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, right seven, there. eight, nine. There's ten. Right down there in Phoenix, so you yeah. get the opportunity to see. Uh, I think, and I think you get close to twenty teams. It might be a little less than that. Um, but yeah, it's something like that. Uh, this obviously is the, or not obviously, it's the Dodgers' tenth year in Arizona, Matt. I've I've been to the old Dodger Town in Florida a couple of times. I used to go in high school. Dodger Town in Florida was a pretty awesome experience. Nice. I had a, I had a Dodger dog in Florida, but I don't know if. Uh, you know, if they use different water or what the deal is in Arizona. So next time I go there, I've been now twice in the month of February. The only times I've been to, to Arizona and never been to a spring training game oh. there. I've been obviously in, in Florida, but never in Arizona. Definitely uh, one go. on the bucket list, though. Yeah, we got to go again. Road trip, road trip for the for the homies. We might have to do it <laughs> like that. That'd be fun. Yeah, but I uh, I got a I got a, a bleacher creature. It's just just uh, hearing about this and and kind of it's it's building off of some. I saw a news story about Braves fans hunting for autographs during spring training, which is pretty awesome. Um, if you've ever been to a spring training game, you know it's a very much more relaxed environment. Um, I saw the other day watching the Phillies that David Robertson was talking to fans. Uh, we, Some of my friends and I, when we were at a Dodgers game, actually talked to a couple guys in the bullpen. Uh, one of my friends asked a guy for a, a lip out of the tin. He could see it popping out of the back of his baseball pants. Uh, I talked to Mike Lieberthal once, Matt, wearing a Philly shirt. Oh, and He called funny. me the man. Yeah, I was that's 16. Awesome. I thought I, I was so that. cool. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> awesome. So he's, he's doing his it – was, it, was, it was, I think, his only year in his career that he wasn't playing for the Phillies. And he's running in the outfield, Mike, Phillies, Phillies. He points up. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so – if you just kind of on the same on the same note, if you've never been to a spring training game and you have the opportunity to, really relaxed environment, you know, obviously guys are trying out different things, and you're you're going to see some good. You're going to see those starters play. They're going to get a couple abs. You know, Bryce Harper gets maybe two a game. Same with you know maybe Andrew McCutcheon. I think he got three on Monday when I was watching it the other day. Uh, so you get you do get to see the big guys play, but you also get to see those rookies. So if you are a huge huge baseball fan, it's definitely something you got to check out. I'm actually tomorrow going to get some spring training stories from my buddy Seth, who's doing the AL West with me. Uh, he was down in the Clearwater, Tampa area, so he, uh, he's he got some good ones. He went to Steinbrenner Field, Bright House Field, I think is what it's called, for, for the Phillies. Um, so I'm pretty excited for that. 
Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a for-the-fans experience. I would, I would completely agree with that there. Yeah, and, and you and I have both obviously been to preseason hockey and basketball games and football games, and they're certainly they're working working through some things. But I think I don't know if it's just the fact that you're going down into the warmth in the middle of the winter, or or what exactly it is about going to spring training. But there is something that's just a cut above, I think, um, yeah. and not just in the tins that you can get that you can ask for lips from, but I think in the fan experience itself. Yeah. Um, no, that no other no other sport does it. Yeah, no no yeah. other major sport has that kind of depth and and and, and so forth so I, I think that's pretty impressive there as well that they're able to get you nothing else is like it yeah do you, do you think that would be something if i know a lot of teams now do for football do their their training camps in you know near their near their facilities the eagles obviously used to come up to lehigh and now do it at the NovaCare complex do you think that's something like the cowboys for instance go to california like if they played their preseason games in in Oxnard, do you think that's something that that team should explore, or is the, or or is going back home for your preseason games the right call for well, how much I money think, these teams are spending? One of the hard parts with the other sports, you still get paid. You still it doesn't cost you a lot to go to a spring training game, yeah. but it does cost you a lot to go to a preseason game. I think that's yeah. one of the issues that the NFL has. Also, it's not as long, right? I mean, yes, you that's can do your too. camp down. You can do your camp down there. You could. But you, you end up playing a lot of your, your your preseason games are always at your home stadium, which yep. I, I get to an extent, but it would also be neat if they did more of those satellite games to let teams go to different places. Um, It'd be cool the know. Cowboys went to like the different like Texas schools and played yeah. there because they'd, right. they'd certainly sell them out. And I don't think that's the question here. It's just right. it would be right. cool to see them travel and see like different oh. things on the TV. It might give you a reason to, to tune in. Kind of check yeah. it out, almost like why why the Winter Classic works for hockey. Yeah, well, the NFL and the NFL and the NBA have desperately been trying to create a similar minor league system to Major League Baseball, yeah. but they're the only ones that have it. I mean, soccer does if you think internationally with their different tiers, but you know maybe the AAF does that um, for football. I know they're pushing the G League really hard in the NBA. If they can get some new yeah. rule changes, that may make a lot of sense for them too. But no other no other sport has the infrastructure that baseball has, which is why spring training is yeah. So well, hockey does. The AHL's been around for a while, and they're with the coast, the ECHL. They're getting close, making that double A. But yeah. the AHL certainly has its has its successes. And I mean, a lot of small towns like Binghamton, New York, where there's the Mets double A team. That's also, I believe, it's still the Binghamton Senators. They've been a couple different teams, minor league, minor league facilities. Um, and you know, and I think they're starting to get to there. The G League. I feel like this year, I feel like I'm hearing about players. Going down to the G League, I know the Sixers have been utilized, utilizing the Blue Coats a lot, but I just feel Not like good. I've been hearing across. I feel like I've been hearing across the NBA a lot more of the the G League being utilized. I'm sure Third and Girl could probably answer this a lot better than I could, but um, yeah, you know, well, I mean it's the, good. Minor the, league sports, man, are they're great. And same thing, it's same yeah. build with spring training. One of the interesting things I, I heard is, and speaking like, so they want to make spring training more applicable. Well, you can go right from college or right from high school and go play in the minor leagues for baseball. Yep. Well, eliminate the the instead of doing one and dones in college, allow NBA young NBA star young potential NBA stars to go play a year in the G League instead of having to go play a year in college. That can spruce up your G League. All of a sudden, you've got stars all over the G League dominating, learning yep. the game, playing against big time talent. Even though it's not the Have highest level, they got level, the thirty teams in the talent. G League. Say again. Have they gotten the thirty teams in the G League? I, I didn't mean to talk over you there. That's right. No, I think they're pretty close. Um, yeah, because that was one thing. And the AHL had this problem for a while, too, where they have like 24 teams and teams are sharing prospects, which I think wasn't – I think it worked because the AHL the AHL absorbed the IHL, and I think that's how they got to like 24. And gradually they've gotten to 30. But, like, I know sharing prospects can be weird or sharing them on the same team. Um, and I think for a while, too, some teams, like, had affiliates with, with multiple teams. I know um, the Idaho Stampede – I think we're one Portland Trailblazers minor league affiliate because that's where CJ did his rehab games. But then they had players on other teams. I think it's really consolidated into into that. But uh, I think you know it's it's certainly a step there of, of how they can fix this. Yeah, I I think the majority do. I think it's like twenty six or something. Like there's four or five maybe. Yeah. That don't have a G League affiliate. It's not a lot though. It's very tight. Maybe it's three. Um, I'd have to do some work to figure that one out, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But quickly, just to finish things up, uh, I, we both checked out this article earlier today that were the, the players union announced a couple of different 
in good faith uh, meetings and, and announcements of rule changes for next year uh, that, that got announced because the CBA expires in ap, it, ap, uh, it, after the 2021 season. I was going to say after three years from now, but um, you know, Matt, we have, we have a number of different announcements that came out. The, the biggest of which is that they decided to expand the rosters to 26 throughout the season from 25. So it creates 30 major league jobs one for each team, and a maximum of 13 pitchers um, in both the regular and postseason. It also would reduce the time in between innings. And probably the biggest one that I'm intrigued by is that it creates one single trade deadline on on July 31st instead of having both that as just regular trades and August 31st as non-waiver trades. Matt, what what do you think about some of these rules? Do you think they're good? Do you think they're do you, yeah. think, do you think baseball is making the right steps here? Well, the only concern I have, and I know, I know they want to create jobs, so I understand the, the the expanding the roster, but that might just slow the game down more because next thing you know, you've got more pitchers and batters coming in and out of the lineup, which is slowing the game yep. down. I'm fine with them speeding up time between innings. That's that should be easy to do. Um, I think that it, I think that keeps viewers interested a little bit more, keeps them on the TV a little bit more. The the trade deadline thing, I think it really came up lately because we've just seen some huge trades occur right at the you know with the with the second deadline that we hadn't seen before because yeah. teams have become so averse to spending or taking on a lot of cap uh, salary. So I I'm intrigued by that. I'm more of the hard deadline guy anyway when it comes to most things. Like for example, I don't really like the the, the legal tampering for the NFL. It, you know, either they're they're free agents getting signed or they're not. Um, so I. I would say I think I'm okay with that, um, mostly because you, you try to keep a competitive balance when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, you don't want teams to be able to pick up a quote, you know, a Justin Verlander like that. What like happened? So I'm I'm okay with them doing a hard trade deal, and I think July 31st makes sense there. Yeah, it's it's intriguing because you've seen it a lot where. Verlander goes on on August 31st and that became the bigger deadline especially over the last two years but I think we've so slowly seen this build in the I think it was six seasons after they expanded it to two wild card teams uh, some years we saw the trade deadline get really active it you know right after the all-star game like the year that Cespedes and Lester were on the move and, and players were, were really you know moving there but yeah I, I agree with you I like having the one deadline on July 31st, I think it does make force you to make a decision one way or the other. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nice to know if you're in the chase with, you know, 30-ish games to go, but it does also run the risk of a player getting hurt and you not getting to pull that trigger or, or the opposite, you know, trying to figure this all out and, and I, I don't know. It, it just makes sense of having one solid deadline because the waiver period too is it's a weird rule of how that all works of being able, they basically place everybody on waivers and no one gets picked up. It's, it's very, it's too complicated and you want to make the business end of your sport seem less complicated than it is, especially in a sport where you do have two different, you have a 40 man roster, which might now be 28. I need to read a little more into that part of the rule change. And now a 26-man roster coming up in 2020. Mm -hmm. So I think making it a little more accessible just for the common fan to, to know and not feel like this is, you know, you're getting thrown into the Financial Times every day when you're trying to figure yeah. out if your baseball team is going to be dishing somebody for prospects or vice versa. Um, I think that's just better for the fan experience. But good point on you of pointing out that adding, an, you know, putting a 13-pitcher maximum on there. That might not be the greatest thing because one that was not accepted and turned down was the three batter minimum, uh, which I think is is probably baseball's. It's not a cure all, but it's certainly if you're gonna if you're gonna concede rules and strategy to, for the sake of picking up time, I think that's one that you can do because it forces you to create a different type of strategy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they they got to do. Here's the thing: the, the the pendulum does ebb and flow. Right. Um, there's a there's a high and the NBA has taken over a lot of Major League Baseballs. Uh, I think new fans are more NBA than they are in Major League Baseball. We saw the NHL have a lot of success when they made some changes to up their scoring and speed the game up on the ice, which is different than the time. There's still 20 minute periods that didn't change, but that was a positive for the sport. I think Major League Baseball. There's really two trades of thought. Either you keep it the way it is, and if you're a fan, you're a fan, and you get those hardcore guys. But if you want to attract the everyday fan, I mean, think about it. The hot stove 
what used to be as much fun as anything watching these guys sign was boring. Yep. Um, and, and I know Machado and Harper were fun, but but quite frankly, it dragged on to the point where there would go weeks where you wouldn't talk about them. And then all of a sudden, something where you hear a rumor, and then you talk about them again. Um, I think that's that's a shame for baseball because they used to dominate the trade deadline and free agency. Now it's the NBA and the NFL who dominate those headlines. You know, the NFL's blown up with trades recently. Um, yep. and, and so, I'm, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that they, the MLB and they are trying to address it, but they need to and they need to get over themselves a little bit to make some positive adjustments for the sport. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's probably the best way to put it. But anything else before we close shop for the, for no. the evening? I mean, I'm glad right, we got man. to cover the NL West because it's it's nice to talk about a division that we may not get to, we may may not hear a lot about come the regular season because of some of the teams. Um, so it's fun to cover them and see where a couple of these franchises are heading this year and and, and further on. Yeah, it's definitely it's. I think we're starting to see we're seeing the first steps of a changing in the guard. So I don't know. I'm really excited for it. Uh, and if you guys have any thoughts, if you think we're complete idiots or you agree with us. Let us know in the comments and follow us on all different social media, Thunder BLG, Jordo9 for me, and Nat Stefano21 on Twitter, uh, Thunderblock Sports on Instagram, just like the website. Nat, thank you as always. This was a ton of fun. Yeah. I'm glad we're getting back into baseball. And you know, mm-hmm. stay tuned because we have a lot of stuff as March March heats up. I know we're we're trying to figure out if we're doing our March Madness on Sunday or Monday night to to break down the bracket for you. But probably one of the best months of the year is March. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited. But from my oh, me man, too, me too. Sorry, sorry, me too. Oh, you're good, you're good. <laughs> but for my man, Matty D, I am the G Man. Have a great night, everybody, and let's go, Phillies, baby. Ring that bell. <laughs>